So you're kind of in for a treat. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you're not. You're stuck with us tonight. Um, the guest <laughs> that we had tonight uh, couldn't make it because of uh, unforeseen circumstances. So we already have everything set up. So I figured, well, we'll jump on here. And since nobody really knows our testimony, uh, we'll kind of have a discussion and talk about it. Um, we've been married for 13 years this year, known each other for 16 years. So Well, well. Well, since we met back up. Yeah. Technically, we've known each other our whole lives. But yes. we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, as adults, we've known each other 16 years, so that's a big chunk of our life. So we figure, well, might as well. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. You're going to be all off. <laughs> Skip. Skip. Thumbs down. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of LifeSpeaksPodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to give a shout out to the Choosing Hope Foundation, go to the website, the, uh, go to the website, choosinghopefoundation.org. See what they're doing over there, man. They're wrapped around prison ministries, just doing big things out there. Check it out if you want to donate or if you just want to see or if you just want to just check it out and see what can happen. Hey, just see it. See what can happen. Check out lifespeakspodcast.com and be up on the info about our podcast. And thank you so much for watching. If you want to donate, you have an option on there. Next, the Potter's House, GRA.com, with uh, our church, Universal uh, Church in Universal City, Greater Randolph area, 2025 Universal City Boulevard. Come and check us out, see how God's moving. Let's check out the website. Once again, it's thepottershousegra.com, and man, just see how God is just moving over there, and it is awesome. Like, subscribe to our podcast, ring the bell so you get all the notifications, and thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm your host. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Liz. Hello. So you're kind of in for a treat. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you're not. You're stuck with us tonight. Um, the guest <laughs> that we had tonight uh, couldn't make it because of uh, unforeseen circumstances. So we already have everything set up. So I figured, well, we'll jump on here. And since nobody really knows our testimony, uh, we'll kind of have a discussion and talk about it. Um, we've been married for 13 years this year, known each other for 16 years. So, well, 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 since we met back up. Yeah. Technically we've known each other our whole lives, but yes. we'll, we'll get into that. But, uh, as adults, we've known each other 16 years. So that's a big chunk of our life. So we figure, well, might as well. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> You're going to be all off. <laughs> Skip. Skip. Thumbs down. <laughs> so, uh, so just to quickly kind of explain um, <clears throat> how we know each other, I guess. Uh, so we know we've known each other since we were babies. So I'll put some pictures um, on the screen. Um, we have pictures of us, uh, me holding her as a baby. I was probably, I think I was like two. 
and she's a little baby and I'm all holding her. Mm-hmm. Um, we have pictures of us a little older for Easter, all dressed up. Um, so we met th- through the church. Uh, we, we were in, our parents were both at the Potter's house and our parents were friends. My mom was actually uh, there when Daniel was born. Um, so she got to see Daniel born. So our parents were actually friends. Um, and yeah, and so that's yeah. how that's, and then, yeah, and then they had us. And so that's how we met was through church setting sort of. Yeah. So I'll just kind of quickly walk through um, kind of that first portion of our life. Cause so our parents were in, in the church. Um, mm-hmm. This was in a fellowship church in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, this is when it was what, Victory Chapel, right? Yeah, was, I think so. I think it was yeah, it Victory still? Chapel, yeah, it was Victory Chapel in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, so our parents were actually in church getting saved at the same time as uh, Pastor Benny and uh, Miss Peggy from yes. the San Antonio Church. So they were part of a group way back in the day in Santa Fe, uh, part of that church revival that was happening there. Um, yeah, all the young, the young teenagers, young adults getting saved there in, in yeah. Santa Fe at the time. So they were all part of like that group. Um, so yeah, so our parents went to church there. Uh, my parents were there until about, I was eight and then some things had happened, uh, that we ended up leaving the church because of the, uh, headship that was there. If you want to know more about all that situation, watch her brother's podcast, uh, Leonard Lopez. They kind of talk about the history of the Santa Fe church and, um, the pastoral issues that they had years ago. Um, so anyways, so my parents left bef- before all that happened. They started to see things with the uh, Pastor Houghton that was there at the time. Um, so we left when I was eight. Um, ever since that, um, all I really knew of Liz was just from a picture. Pictures, yeah. Just kind of knew who she was. Um, you know, we ended up, me and my dad ended up moving. I'll get into that a little bit later. We moved to Oregon for a while. Um, well, I don't, well I don't, I'll get into that. Oh. I ended up coming back to New Mexico, and I just kind of want to sum up how we know each other. You know? Oh, okay, okay. So when I came back to New Mexico, uh, we ended up meeting at a mutual friend's wedding in uh, 2007. So when we met there, we knew who, who, who each other was, um, and we just started talking, and she fell over, head over heels for me, <laughs> and she uh, <laughs> she begged me for my number. <laughs> so... I gave in, and here we are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're a dork. Uh, I'll tell you the truth when we get into that. Just kidding. So, okay. Um, so, first off, we'll, uh, so what we'll do is we'll just kind of discuss um, our lives separately a little bit up until we met each other, and then we'll have a conversation about the things that we have gone through together, mm, um, okay. what God has done in our lives. The, through our marriage. Yeah. The trials and tribulations that we've gone through together. And um, so, yeah. So, I mean, go ahead. You can go ahead and go first. Okay. Um, so, uh, grew up in the church. Uh, great home. Great parents. Uh, bratty brother. Just kidding. Um, yeah. And I love you, Leonard. And so, um, very sheltered, uh, but a good life. Again, I think me and Leonard kind of really talk about that uh, growing up. Um, in his podcast, you guys can listen to that one. Um, so when the when the split happened in two thousand, that was the 
So there's there's certain things in my life and in my walk with with Christ that um, are those memorials that you always kind of like look back on and you know those references. And so one was boot camp. Um, I went to boot camp when I was twelve. I uh, went for three three or four years, something like that. Um, loved it. Uh, just different through different things and just different situations. You know when you're getting thrashed or whatever. Uh, it just, it really, uh, one of the things was that I'm stronger than I ever thought I was, I guess, and that I can handle hard times and that I'm, I don't need to let my emotions uh, rule my life. Like I can, you know, you, you suck it up and you, you, you just push on through. So that's one. And then uh, when the split happened, I remember that was a big thing, um, uh, I lost a lot of my, not I think like I lost a lot of my friends. Like I was still friends with them, but we didn't see each other as much because, you know, we weren't at church with each other. Um, and I remember one of the, the, the big things at the time was right after the split happened, uh, it was my birthday. It was in February. And so I was going to uh, have my sweet 16 birthday or whatever. And so all my friends were going to come over. And so that ended up being canceled. Um, and so I was really bummed. Well, um, they threw one of the ladies in the church, uh, threw me a party with all of the, the, the people who, who, who left the fellowship. And, um, I got my first ever migraine, but it was really weird. Um, and this was my first like real, like kind of like spiritual, uh, attack kind of thing that I had ever experienced. And so, uh, got a huge migraine, half of my body went numb, um, my parents rushed me to the emergency room. They were doing CAT scans. They didn't know what was wrong with me because I had never experienced a, a really severe bad migraine like this. And like I said, half my body went numb and my face was even kind of like drooping on one side and my tongue was swel- uh, swelled up. So I couldn't even like talk right. And uh, Pastor Teshima out of the Grants Church, he was there um, preaching for us. And so he came uh, to the hospital and he prayed for me. And uh, he said, it's words, it's witchcraft, it's words being spoken against you, spoken against your family, whatever. And you need to pray against that and take dominion over that. And I know for me, that was a big thing like, whoa, that was my first ever. You hear about, you know, spiritual attacks, you grow up in church, right? So you hear all the sermons, you hear everything, but to actually experience it, that was something totally new to me of like, wow, you know what I mean? Like here I am saved. I'm just a kid. You know what I mean? I, I guess I never really thought that, I don't know, maybe something like that could like happen because I was under my parents covering, you know what I mean? And so I, I didn't, so that was one thing that I know made me open my eyes to the spiritual realm as far as my personal walk and my personal, uh, what's the word? I don't know, just my walk with, with, with Christ and how I need to be prayed up, read up, you know what I mean? Um, and I need to have my relationship with Jesus Christ strong, um, for me because yeah, I mean, I wasn't in my parents' home, I was under their covering, but there's still things that are going to come at you as a youth that you need to be prepared to battle spiritually. Um, so that was like one. Um, and then, um, Another, another time was, um, when I backslid. So it was early twenties. Um, uh, a bunch of the youth in the church left and, uh, I, I was like the only one who was like people, my parents age. And then it was me 
and um and then it was all these young kids and so um I was kind of by myself not really by myself but I kind of was and so I I got kind of mad and I threw a temper tantrum because um one of the young men in the church at the time I had a crush on him I liked him and so he was one that left too and I Through my temper tantrum, my temper tantrum was I was kind of bugged with God because I thought he was the one and I thought I deserved him. And here I was, you know, being good and serving God and living a clean life. And I didn't get my way. And so, um, which is stupid, I know. And even looking back, it's like, yeah, okay. But at the time, you're throwing your little temper tantrum and it seems right right now, you know. And, um... So I backslid for a time, and then um, that is when I uh, uh, met up with Daniel at our at Preston's wedding, and then we started talking. That's it. That's all you're going to talk about before we met. <laughs> well, like, how detailed do we want this to go? This I is thought your I thought so. Yeah, you've seen the other ones; how detailed they go. So get detail. <laughs> You have a lot to talk about with, with uh, all those losers you were with. Okay, so okay, okay, yes, okay. So when I when I did backslide, um, I I I I backslid. Um, I wasn't partying. I wasn't. I so drinking drugs. Those were never a temptation. I I would go to sort of parties, and there would be they would be there, but that was never that was never a thing. My my issue was lust, and um, I liked attention from the guys the men and so um I did I ended up with uh, a friend from high school that we were friends and then I thought oh well we were friends and and da 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 and so we ended up uh hooking up <laughs> my mom and dad are gonna be like what so you um, have to go into too much detail when you're all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> to okay. say you, you okay. got into relationships with the well, couple yeah. losers, they weren't saved, right? They led you down the wrong path. That created issues for us when we were t- trying to figure things out in a relationship, right? And those were right, all yeah. because they cheated on you and all that stuff, right? Right, yes. Okay, so so because, yeah, they were, they were losers. But okay, but I also... I brought this like on myself because I knew better. I knew right from wrong. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew what I was doing when I was in sin. I knew it was wrong the entire time. And so it got to a point where I knew it was wrong, but I was already, I can't say like, Ooh, I was in too deep, but it was, it was hard. It was hard to, to, to let go, I guess of it that, you know what I mean? And so Yes, I was with a bunch of losers, uh, well, three, um, cheated on constantly, uh, took them back, and then it would happen again. And so at the same time, those walls that he was saying, uh, when this was happening, I was, I think I think we laughed about it with ISIS, how these guys will make us crazy, and, Jess, and Jesse like, made it like, aren't you all crazy? And I was like, no, you guys make us crazy. I was like one of those because I was cheated on, and it was always these head games and mind games and just, you know, whatever, that it, like, you, it does make you kind of go nuts a little. Like, I wasn't, like, crazy, crazy, but 
you 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 sit there in your mind and you're playing out things like, well, where are they? What are they doing? And oh, he's lying to me again. And so, um, one thing, one thing, ladies, trust your gut. Trust your gut. God has blessed us with that gut feeling, and every single time, there was a couple of times where I was even at work and I was just like something's not right. And I just knew deep down something's right. And sure enough, caught one cheating on me. And so it was like, yeah, see, like, you know, so trust your gut feeling. But, um, though, because of that, yeah, I had, I had walls built up. And so trust issues, like I didn't trust easily anymore. And, and then part of my deal too was, well, with, with another relationship that I was in was, um, I'm going to use him and hurt him before he hurts me. And so it was like, I was just angry. I don't know. I was just, I mean. So there were three losers. So yes. why'd you keep going back <laughs> to losers after the first one? <laughs> you didn't learn your lesson the first time? No, I was stubborn. I was stubborn because I can't say like, again, like, oh, well, I didn't know or, oh, I had daddy issues or, oh, I just needed to be loved. I had a great family. I had, I, you know what I mean? I was still going to church. I was playing the part. So you didn't uh, feel convicted during this time? Yes. But you just, you just ignore it. You, or not you, but just me personally, I would just ignore it. I mean, there were times where, yeah, okay, I would hit the altar and I'd be like, God, forgive me. And I meant it. But then when you leave, you know what I mean? So it was just kind of like, I, I knew better. I flat out knew better. And I was just making myself callous to the conviction to God's, you know, just whatever, because I was like, so these other the other two losers, were they, did you think that they were different from the first? No. Or from the last? No. No, my, my, my thing was, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm the, okay. not going to let them hurt me. And yeah. So it was the first one was kind of the main relationship. Yes. Yeah. The second two were just, you're already kind of accepting the situation and just yeah. going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because those ones you didn't have relationships, right? Like. No, like we weren't actually. Yeah. No, we weren't actually boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. It was just. So after, you know, for the audience, like tell, talk about that moment when you were fed up after the last guy and you're like, hey, I'm done with messing with idiots. Or did you not get that until you met me and you're like, oh, wow, this is the perfect man. No. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, so I had already been struggling in, in just... I guess I had kind of come to the end of my rope and it was just like, this is just, it's not working. Uh, obviously what I'm doing is not working. Um, uh, you know, cause my, I guess one of the things I tried justifying was like, well, I'm still a good person. I'm still a good person. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs. You know what I mean? And I'm still a good person. And so, yeah, it was just, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I can't remember like a time where it was like, it was just, I was done. I was just like, you know what? I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I wasn't like, ne I don't know. Like I, it was never like, oh, I hate men. You know, it was anything like that. It was just like, yeah. Well, I mean, you 
I've had a hard time trusting men. Right. No, um, I had a hard time trusting, but um, yeah, it wasn't like a one-time moment. It was just kind of like just built up, and it was just like, ugh. I just felt like I, I knew I was in sin. I knew I w- what I was doing was wrong. The so decisions after, I was making, so and after. I was playing the part, lying to people. So then after the situation, did you get your heart right? No. You still didn't? So by the time we met, because you were still involved in the church, I mean. Yeah. Or were you kind of like lukewarmish? I was lukewarmish. Mm. Yeah. Like, because I could say, yeah, I, 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 before we met, yeah, I got my heart right, but I was still, I, it wasn't solidified, I guess. You know what I mean? I was still. You weren't serious. I, yeah, it was. It wasn't until afterwards, you know what I mean, when we were together and you know, when we finally started dating that it was like, okay, no, I really like you. I really like you. And I'm going to, I have to do this right if it's going to, to end up good. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's when I made that decision. So it took a while, even after we were together, I think I was still, Not the whole time, but you know, but <laughs> you were still what? <laughs> Not the whole time, but but I would say I would say after my accident, the re- when I got that really bad accident, I think that's when it kind of the li- it light bulbed for me. You know what I mean? Just the serious. I mean, it wasn't like life or death serious, but you know what I mean. It was a bad accident. I was injured, but I think that's when it was like okay. Where and then when you would come and and help take care of me, that I was like, okay, well, I like that this man, I want to, I want to do this right. Um, you were different. Okay, so I mean, I can talk about myself now, I guess, and then we'll kind of meet up and kind of talk there, yeah. the whole situation with us. So, like I had mentioned, you know, my parents were saved. I uh, kind of grew up in the church there a little bit. Um, we left the church when I was eight. Uh, the fellowship church anyways uh, we still kept going to different churches here and there Um, my parents ended up getting divorced Uh, my mom ended up cheating and uh, you know that kind of fell apart and so when I was 11 uh, me and my dad moved to Portland Oregon and um, my dad remarried and uh, you know my dad was still saved so he was so with me you know my <clears throat> it was dealing with divorce. You know, I, I was in fourth grade. I remember my dad uh, sitting me down and telling me what was going to happen. And uh, I remember, you know, kind of being broken up, obviously, you know, f- fourth grade is what, like. That's in between Catalina and Ariana. So, yeah, so I was like nine. Nine, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was nine. So, uh, you know, so that was obviously devastating. Um, you know, so. I didn't really take it. I mean, I took it hard, but I never was, you know, how kids will blame themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like, is it my fault? If I stuff. could have been a better kid. Yeah. yeah. It was never that. I never had any bitterness or anger towards my mom. Um, you know, I still love my mom. Uh, but, uh, I mean, yeah, that was one of those issues. So, anyway, so me and my dad moved to Portland, Oregon. Um, just to get out of, get away from New Mexico. Like I said, my dad was still saved. Uh, you know, he met his, my stepmom. They, they got married, you know, she was really saved. Uh, we still, we went to church and, you know, we went to other, we tried a few different churches and stuff. Like my parents have 
And my stepmom, they've they stayed saved ever since then. So that's my dad has actually been he's been the the, the grounding in my life, um, that kind of that reference point of of uh, what I should be doing, right? So during my teenage years, you know, I'd travel back and forth uh, to New Mexico to visit my mom and my family and stuff. And that side of my family, you know, was pretty crazy. So, you know, there's a lot of alcohol and drugs and violence and mm-hmm. just a lot of just nonsense. You know what I mean? And so drama. I, major drama. So I just grew up in that element of seeing all that. You know what I mean? Seeing the partying and the drugs and the fighting and the cops coming and... um so I've always been an observer. So I've always been, you know, I want to l- learn from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of grew up like that. With I have a sister, an older sister. Um, she used to get in trouble a lot. <laughs> so if you guys know some of the old old people from the old church, uh, will remember Bambi. Yeah, she used to be always getting spanked and paddles broken on her butt and stuff. <laughs> so anyway, so I used to learn from her getting in trouble that, hey, I'm not going to do that. So, you know, I was never really a problem child. Um, during my youth, you know, you know, being kind of around all that stuff, if it wasn't for my dad having that um, that Christ influence and grounding, then I probably would have screwed up. I probably would have, you know, because I did mess around. I did experiment, you know what I mean? I did try alcohol and smoking weed and this and that, and I didn't like it. It wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, part of it was... I thought it was disgusting, alcohol. I didn't like the the feeling of being high. I didn't like that, the mental feeling of that. But um, also afterwards, it kind of felt kind of dumb. You know, like, what the heck am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I think I credit that to my dad and, and how he raised me. You know what I mean? Kind of keeping me grounded. Um, so, because in all my mistakes and all my bad decisions, I always had that conviction in the back of my head of, uh, I know what I'm doing is wrong. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that was mainly because of my dad. And so I, I credit, you know, coming back to Christ and getting saved and stuff like that. You know, I, my dad was definitely a huge influence in my life. So anyway, so during my teenage years, you know, seeing all that stuff, you know, had, it was, it was just weird, you know. So I had that part of my life, which is crazy drama. Uh, my mom, you know, I had a lot of, I love my mom, but she wasn't, she wasn't the greatest mom. You know what I mean? Like, I would come down and visit from Portland, and, you know, I hadn't seen her in five months. And that night she goes out to the bar and leaves me there by myself. You know what I mean? So I kind of yeah. kind of felt pretty bad and unloved and like, well, what the heck? This kind of sucks. You know what I mean? I'm just here by myself as a teenager. Did you, you feel I mean? rejection? A little bit, yeah. I was like, you think going to the bar and drinking and having – you know, having fun is more important than your son you haven't seen in five months. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I love her to death. But, yeah, I mean, she wasn't the greatest. And the thing with my mom, too, is that she knew what she was doing was wrong as well because I would talk to her about it, and I would ask her, um, you know, like, uh, why don't you get saved? I tried to witness to her. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And she's like, no, 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 not now, Hito. I'm not ready. And so she knew what she was doing, that it was wrong, but she was just caught up in that life mm-hmm. and she wasn't ready to, to get saved. Um, to make those stands to separate. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, so fast forward a little bit, I ended up moving back uh, to New Mexico um, when I was in college. Um, 
And so when I came back, my mom had my, my little brother. Uh, in 2001, I moved back to New Mexico in 2003, so he was only two. I came back because of family. I hated New Mexico, but I came back because of family and because of uh, my grandparents and my little brother. School? And school. Um, but uh, so during that time, um, I was in school and college. And uh, <clears throat> so when I was, so that was 2003. So 2005, my mom was, uh, she was murdered by her boyfriend. So that was obviously a, a huge moment in my life. Um, I remember, so the, you know, I remember that weekend. So I went to school for, for architecture. And so architecture is a very demanding uh, profession and education. So, you know, we, you kind of live in studio, basically. And I remember that weekend. Um, I had a bunch of work to do that weekend. Uh, but that night, Friday night, we were taking a break with a bunch of the kids in school, and we were just kind of hanging out at a friend's house. And uh, my sister, Bambi, had called me and was like, hey, we're going to go up north. So my mom lived about two and a half hours north of where I was in Albuquerque. And so she's like, hey, we're going to go visit for the weekend. You got one? Do you want to come? And uh, So Bambi was in Albuquerque. Yeah, she had moved back from Portland like a couple months prior. Oh, okay, okay. And so she was going to go visit my mom. She asked if I wanted to go. I was like, no, nah, I can't go. Uh, I got a lot of work to do this weekend. And uh, so, you know, go to school, do whatever. Um, I'm a night owl. So, you know, I would work till real late, three, four, five in the morning. So I remember coming home, you know, going to bed. It was real late. And then I remember getting a call at like 6, 6.30 in the morning. And it's my aunt. My aunt is hysterical. She's crying. Isabel. Isabel, she's crying and. You know, I'm like in this, you know, getting up out of sleep. I was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And she's all telling me that, you know, my mom was in an accident. She didn't know what happened, but that they're rushing her to the hospital. And uh, she's all hysterical. And so I was like, what the heck is going on? Um, so they rushed her to the hospital. I get up and they're saying that, uh, you know, she has a lot of brain injuries. And so they were going to fly her to Farmington, which is about three hours from where she was at and about three hours from myself. And so I was just kind of waiting until, you know, I kind of got the word of, okay, do I need to go to Taos or do I need to go to Farmington? To Farmington, what the heck do I need to do? So I was just waiting there, um, freaking out because, you know, I want to see her, obviously, you know. They, yeah. Talking to them, you know, they, uh, I can tell like, it wasn't good. Right, yeah, it was, it was serious. So they said that they were flying her to Farmington. So I was like, all right. So I jumped in the car and started driving out there. Um, I remember that drive was just like the worst drive ever. Just my mind, you know, going crazy. Um, I think I pulled over like five times because I had to pee because it was just, you know, nervousness and just like I yeah. had to pee so bad. Um, so I get there. And so at this time in my life, like I said, I had the conviction there. You know, I believed in God. I knew God. I knew, you know, I might not have been practicing and, like, living righteous a whole, you know, 100%. But, like, again, like, I wasn't partying. I wasn't, I didn't cuss. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing drugs. Um, it was just kind of just complacency, really. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? no, like, I, I wasn't, it, yeah. I wasn't trying to, like, really pursue a relationship with God. 
but I knew it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. You were. So like, you know, so going in the car, you know, I was praying to God, you know, just praying for my mom and stuff. And when I got there, um, I was the first one to get there, uh, because my family, it took them a lot longer from where they were because they had to drive through a bunch of canyons and stuff. Um, so when I got there, she had just got there. And so they got her into like the, the prep room or whatever. And, uh, so I got to see her and I mean, she looked awful. Like her, she was unrecognizable. Her, her face was big and she was bruised up. And, um, so, I mean, the situation that had happened was she got into it with her boyfriend, uh, her boyfriend, uh, beat her and she ran out of the van or something like that. And then he, you know, beat her and grabbed her and drug her along the pavement. So, you know, her body was all scraped up on her side and, um, basically he just basically beat her to death. And so, you know, the doctors are working on her. They're going to have to do this brain surgery. You know, Farmington had like one of the best brain surgeons in the state. Um, and so at this point, you know, uh, they let me talk to her. Like, I was there in the room as they're doing all this stuff. And I was holding, you know, I was holding her hand. Um, and I just started praying with her. Like, I just. The sinner's prayer? Yeah. And I got in, I got there and, you know, they kind of told me, like, you know, she she can, she might be able to hear you. You know, she's kind of not responsive. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so I started praying and I was in her ear. And like I said before, that she knew she was living wrong. She knew right from wrong. She always wanted to get her life right. She was just never in that position where she felt ready to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was like, at this moment, I was just praying like, God, like just pray that she still has life inside of her, that she can hear you. And so I prayed, you know, a sinner's prayer with her. I prayed for her. I was praying with God and I was just crying like crazy. And her hand was on the side of the, the table and her hand fell after I prayed. And I mean, I kind of, I kind of look at that as like, man, like I really do, honestly, <laughs> I really honestly do, honestly do believe that that was her and God kind of letting me know, like she heard me, because it was literally it was after I had prayed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and her hand just fell off the table. And I was like, so I mean, I kind of hold hope that. She heard me inside. She prayed, and this was her mustering as much as she could. You know how, like, you hear people who are in comas, you know right. I mean, like, trying, you know, like, they can still hear everything. Yes, yeah. You know I mean? So they're, like, they try to respond in some way. Yeah, yeah. Like, like wiggle a toe almost a little bit. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. And um, so, that, you know, that kind of, I always hold on to that as hope that, she, that she's in heaven, that she heard me. Um, after that, you know, she, they did the brain operation, um, and it really wasn't successful. She pretty much was a vegetable after that. Uh, my family was there. Um, my little brother, uh, Julian, uh, you know, he was three, going to turn four in a couple of weeks. He was little. After that. And I remember, man, that just broke my heart. I remember when he got there with my aunt and with my, uh, with my cousins. They, uh, I went downstairs to meet him in the parking lot and, you know, he sees me from, uh, down the way. And I, so I still remember to this day, this poor little kid, you know what I mean? he has no idea. Yeah. He just sees me and he's all brother Daniel. And he just comes running to me. 
Yeah. Oh, man, that kills me. And he just gave me this big old hug. He was so excited to see me. And, you know, at that age, he didn't really understand. When we tr- even later on when we tried to explain the situation, you know, at that age, he was just like. Yeah, yeah. So at, he didn't. At, the, at that age of development, yeah, that's. So uh, this, you know, and then so eventually, you know, we ended up having to make the decision to to pull the plug. And then, you know, she just, she died on her own. Yeah. Um, my, this, this moment though, is a pivotal point in my life because one, because of Julian, um, and what it, the issues that he dealt with because of my mom dying. And, um, I go into that, I'll, I'll go into that here in a little bit more. Um, but you know, since this moment, it was like, okay, my focus now is I want to get custody of my brother. Mm-hmm. His dad is a loser. That he was never in the picture. Um, and so my sister kind of took over. I was in college, you know, I was living with my grandpa. I was broke. Yeah, you're I didn't have a job. Yeah. Um, so my sister kind of took, she started to take care of him and with his grandma from his dad's side. Um, but my thing was like, okay, no, I want to be there for him. Um, this was another moment that, I really had to deal with in my in with God with this this dude that killed my mom it was like I had a lot of anger. You know what I mean? I wanted to I wanted to kill him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would I would literally fantasize and dream about it and think about okay, I would plan it out like this is what I can do to get away with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the things in the back of my mind were like, You can't do that. Like you have this little brother, this little boy, this little brother to take care of, to be there because he doesn't have a manly influence in his life anymore. Yeah. His dad's not around. Like, you're going to do something stupid and then you get caught and then you're in jail and now he's got it even worse. Nobody to, right? yeah, to like, raise him and teach yeah, him. Yeah, my mom's gone. My dad's gone. My brother's in jail. Yeah. But so that was one of those things where, you know, I was just, I had to deal with, you know, forgiveness was really tough. Um, a few years later, you know, he ended up getting locked up for, so just really quick to sum it up. I mean, you know how it is. So yeah, yeah. northern New Mexico, Cuesta Taos is very corrupt. It's full of corruption and uh, incompetence. So yes. where my family's from in Cuesta, there's a lot of unsolved murders because. It's the number one unsolved murder, I think, capital in the U.S., right? Like, no, I don't know about that. I don't remember that stat. I thought, I thought it was like 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 the number. Well, maybe New Mexico, but like just they it's, they joke about that. You yeah. want to get away with murder? Go to go to Cuesta because they're not going to do anything. They're not going to really look into it. Cuesta is you know it's really corrupt. So he didn't he there was a big old mess, but um, you know the, the evidence was was tampered with. You know the incompetency of of the whole system. He basically he he only served. He got, five? No, he only served like two and a half years. He was sentenced to five, but New Mexico's the oh yeah uh, day served is a day earned. So he got out in like two and a half years, and it was for tampering with evidence and failure to render aid, is what he got convicted for. Yeah, not even murder. Yeah, not even yeah. murder because the system sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean the uh, DNA test because he had blood in his car. The DNA test um, took years for New Mexico to even process. It's just a big, it's a joke. Yeah. So anyway, so one of the things I had to deal with was coming face to face with him in um, 
during his parole hearing. Oh, and is that when they they didn't know you were there and they left you guys together? No, no. So that was during the trial. Oh. So during the trial, again, it's a small town court, so there's not a lot of security to get in there. That's it's tiny, right? So like a trailer. <laughs> no, well, that was Taos. That was oh. that was the pueblo. Oh, okay. When we got, when we got Julian. Oh, okay. So, um, so it was really small. So during the breaks and stuff, we're in the same space. You know what I mean? Like my family's up here. He's down here, down the steps. We can see him. Um, but the, what she's talking about is I went to the bathroom um, and then I'm in there and then he comes in the bathroom. So it's just me and him. And no so, guard, nothing. Nothing. And so, you know, things are running through my head like, I can attack this dude right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I said something to him. I don't remember what I said, but I kind of like, you know, I said something to him. I was just angry. I was just like, holding back and I walked out and the judge even made a comment because I guess he went and whined and complained and so the judge made a comment that we're not to interact with each other and it's like you stupid idiots we were on the same room the judge got mad at you yeah but it was like you you put us in the same vicinity same room like what do you expect right and so even the thing too was crazy is like <laughs> the thing that I had to like I was saying, I, you know, I had plans. Yes. Yeah. Is the security was so laxed, you know, we were there all day and we were in and out and the security guard after like the, the second time of me going through and my belt going off because it's metal. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, you're good. So, so you could have gone out to the car and, yeah. and gone back in with a weapon of some sort and then be like, yeah. Eh. So after I was like, man, I could have totally snuck a knife in here and just right. totally yeah. went at him. You know what I mean? But so anyway, so thank God you didn't. So fast forward to the parole hearing and you know you know I was just praying up to that moment you know just God you gotta give me strength man mm-hmm. and forgiveness like I had to really you know I, I was reading the Bible and um so were we together at that time no yeah we were oh. because you not when your mom but when you're in trial no you we were uh, talking because remember you drove down after the trial because you wanted to be with me for support. So you were there for the parole. Oh, okay. So okay. D- yes. Because so that's when I met you guys at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. 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 So during the parole, this was already a few years later. So at this point, the parole, um, I was already with Liz. We were already saved. We were already on, you know, trying to live righteous and stuff. And so I had been dealing with forgiveness. And so, you know, the scripture about um, that we need to forgive others so God can forgive us. Yes. You know, it was just always plaguing me. And so, I was always just praying to God, like, man, you got to help me to forgive this guy. And so when we got there, you know, he comes in in his jumpsuit, he sits down, and my whole family's there. And, you know, they he pleads his case, and and then uh, my family, you know, says something. And, and then, or no, they didn't even say anything. I think they gave us the opportunity to, and nobody said anything. And so I was like, all right, I need to say something. So I spoke up, and that was my moment of, of release where it's like, okay, I told him straight to his face. I forgive you. I know God's going to judge you, you know, cause you're going to get out two and a half years into this. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. murdered my mom and I was like, God's going to judge you, but I forgive you. And I don't remember what else I said, but so that was, you know, one of those big moments in my life of, of you know, forgiveness. Yeah. You, um, you stated it out loud. 
Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just like, okay, I forgive him, you know, but it's you in front of people. It was yeah. witnessed. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So rewind, let's rewind. I know I'm jumping around, but let me rewind. So after that, so that was 2005, um, between 2005 and 2007, when I met you, um, I was still, I was in college working on getting my master's degree. And then, um, you know, I had a couple little relationships here and there with some dumb girls, <laughs> some dumb women. You know what I mean? And, uh, we've all, we've all done it. We all, that's why I giggle. And so, so anyway, so uh, after one of them, which growing up my whole life, you know, being from New Mexico, Northern New Mexico, if you're from Northern New Mexico, you know, there's a type. Northern New Mexico yes. type is long black hair, um, you know, always dressed to the nines, but throws down. You know what I mean? Like, they're not afraid <laughs> to fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's Northern New Mexico. That was my whole family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, growing up as a kid, my dream girl, I always told myself, my dream girl is, I want a Hispanic girl with long black hair, you know, dresses nice and is not afraid to throw down. You know what I mean? And so, one of my cousins had a friend like that and I, you know, so we started talking and, and stuff, and we got together, and I thought that's what I wanted. I did not. She turned out to, you know, cheat and just be an idiot, and I was like, oh, you're lame. You Drama, I mean? yeah. And so that ended shortly. <laughs> you're lame. <laughs> <laughs> and so so after that ended, you know, that was, uh, that was like 2000, beginning 2007. I had another, I had a, that was kind of a short one. The one before that, <laughs> yes, the one before that, the one that's, yeah. yeah. Thank you. You don't have to bring that one up. I won't. Um, that one lasted a little longer. It was a year, a little over a year. Um, but anyway, so after that, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I just kept praying to God, like, you got to bring me a, a godly woman. Bring me somebody um, that's saved and just bring me a wife. You know what I mean? Bring me somebody mm-hmm. that is not drama. That I don't have to worry about, you know, cheating on me. And, um, you know, I had from my mom cheating on my dad, had those kind of that in the back of my mind of like the trauma of like, well, I'm not going to treat on you because I know what that does to people. Right. I know yes. What that does yeah. to kids. You know what I mean? It's like, I just want that reciprocated. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so, you know, I was really praying for God. And then in 2007, in July, we had a mutual friend's wedding in Colorado. Mm-hmm. that again we didn't know each other at that time i went with my parents last minute because again i was in school and mine was last minute too so there was there was two people getting married that our family knew um Shirelle and preston and so my mom was like okay well you go to preston's i'll go to Shirelle's, and so that way we could you know that way we could be there and preston and i were good friends too he when he would come to to new mexico to visit we'd you know we'd always hang out and you know that one time that you were supposed to come hang out with us and you had studio. And so Christina came and we ended up uh, going to go see a movie, the three of us or whatever, but yeah, you were supposed to be there too. And you yeah. ended up not coming. So there was a chance that where we would have met up, but we just didn't, but we still, you know, had friends in like the same circle. So, yeah. So, so his family, his parents were part of that group that we were talking about that our parents were part of mm-hmm. with the old fellowship. They were getting saved at the same time. Yeah. And so, so anyways, so yeah, so she ended up going last minute. I ended up going last minute. Uh, we met each other there. We were talking. Um, He's smiling because 
Uh, you have to talk about everything. <laughs> why not? Why not? So when when we met, we were all the New Mexico friends were all at like one big table, and so um, uh, I carried. And so uh, was, uh one of the ladies because uh, it was like buffet style. She she moved my purse for me so I could sit down because I had it on my chair. Well, she kind of dropped my purse and it made a big <laughs> sound because you know my gun was in there, and so. They're like, what do you carry, bricks? And I was like, no, that was my gun. And boop, there goes Daniel's his ears perked up. And he's like, you carry a gun? And those were the first words he said to me. So, <laughs> so yeah. So we started, And then we started talking. So we started talking at the, at the wedding. Um, and then, you know, she just fell in love with me. So, you know, shout out to, uh, to our friend Preston. Um, you know, he ended up passing away a few years ago. Yes. But uh, he was instrumental. You know, he kept, you know, pushing us on like, hey, you guys talk to you? Hey, you know, yeah. Call yeah. her, call her. You know what I mean? He kept bugging me. Yeah. He would text me and be like, I think he really likes you, Liz. I think he really <laughs> likes you. So we start, you know, we were talking here and here and there. And then uh, December came around and. That's when I had my accident. Yeah. So we were supposed to hang out for my birthday and then she got into a pretty bad car wreck. And uh, ended up having um, vertigo, equilibrium, stuff wrong with her head. Yeah, I had to use a walker. Yeah, so during that time, you know, I would go and hang out with her. Because I couldn't, I couldn't, like, take naps. They had to keep, like, waking me up. And I couldn't really walk without assistance. And so he was on uh, Christmas break for college. So he wasn't in school. So, yeah, so he would, he would come up and visit and take care of me. <laughs> so that was he has video of me walking in fact in fact you do it because i was telling casey about it the other day for lunch we were talking about like different injuries and i had told him and i was like daniel has a video of me walking with my walker so yeah i put it and then that way casey can see it so so yeah so she was pretty bad for, for a little while so yeah so that's when i ended up asking her to you know to go out ask her parents first he did she, he asked my mom me, and dad she made me ask him yes um her dad was like, I don't care. Her, her, <laughs> mom, her mom gave me. You know, he did degree. care. He did care. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, my mom was the one who gave him the third degree. And and so that was 2007. Uh, we started dating. Because because so here's the other thing. I, and, and I'm going to say why part of it. My mom gave him the third degree was because he was he wasn't in the fellowship. Uh, he went to a different church. And so um, it's. It's what's the, what's the word? How do I delicately say this? Um, our our story of us getting together is not the norm, not the norm not for, for the fellowship. Not man. for the, yeah, not for our fellowship. And so I'm going to start off now, right? Preface it now because we'll get into our thing. Is that um, we did pray? We did pray a lot. Uh, and together and separate whether we should continue on with our relationship and in other aspects of our marriage and in, in different situations which we'll go into that so our 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 courtship was not the norm again of the fellowship but we had to hold ourselves accountable and so we did in by different means so I'm not I'm not, what is it, advocating for our, the how we got together, I guess, but just you need to. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that we were both. We were adults. 
We were both adults. I mean, I was. We weren't teenagers. I was 25. I think you were. 22. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we were adults. We both knew that we wanted um, a Christian relationship. Yes. Um, you know, so we got together. Um, like she said, you know, we. When we when it got to that point, when it got more serious, and we, you know, we really focused on our relationship, we're like, wow, we need to really pay attention. We're well, not pay attention, but we need to uh, to really put a hundred percent into seeking God first. Yes, in yes. our relationship. Um, so you know, we so I mean, because we dated for two and a half years before we got married, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so um, so yeah. So during that time, I mean, we really we were. St- we were praying together. We were reading our Bible together. Um, I would go down to Santa Fe to her church. For the weekend. She would come to, to my church. Um, we start, you know, we would have those conversations about, well, you know, what's going to happen if we do get, get married, you know what I mean? And Where are we going to go to church? Yeah. So Is I mean, this really God? Yeah. So, I mean, we, those two years, we prayed a lot. We really sought God on everything. Like, well, is this really God, you know, does God really want us together? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, well, that's what I was going to say for that, for the thing of when I said reference the boot camp and that not to let your emotions control you. And which is when I wasn't saved with my relationship that I had, I did let, you know, and so now with Daniel, I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it right so bad because I really did like him and I was done with doing it my way and the wrong way. And so I knew growing up in church, you need to seek God. You need to get, um, God's guidance and everything. And so, that I mean, thank God, Pastor Mayolo, Aaron, love you guys so much, miss you guys. Um, that they were so, um, they were already seasoned pastors. They were, they were very understanding about our courtship because I was in ministry, um, and there were weekends where, yeah, I would go visit him. I stayed at his parents' house. He lived with his grandfather, so we were holding our, our, each other accountable with our family, you know, and I would miss morning Sunday service, but then I would, you know, show up at night service and, you know, and stuff like that. So they were, but again, I had my talks with my pastor and, you know, and it was like, okay. And so they were praying for us too. Um, especially like when we were like, okay, well, I really like you. Are we going to, you know, get engaged? Are we really going to do this? And that's when we went for the hike and we said, okay, we need to pray and fast separately for a month and and then come back together and okay what are we going to do and where are we going to go to church are we going to go to your church uh, legacy or are we going to are you going to come with me to my church in santa fe yeah because we were about an hour away from each other so that was the other thing too we were an hour away yeah so so i mean we did i mean we saw god and everything and you know she had a lot of issues baggage she came with a lot of baggage (laughs) 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 all those issues with those losers we had to break through some walls. <laughs> which, which, okay, yes, yes. I had so many trust issues, and man, I would, yeah, I, I had a lot of issues. So, but, but what also made me go, ah, was he didn't let that chase him away. Like, he didn't freak out. He didn't just, like, throw his hands up, like, oh, you're, uh, you're not, you're lame. Uh, you know what I mean? He was, he, he, he fought to... Well, to help me kind of get through these things. And well, I really, you know, I did care for you. I loved you. And, um, 
I'm just going to throw out that she told me she loved me first, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but way wait. in advance. Wait, <laughs> wait I before did. I did. It was like right <laughs> at the beginning, but but I'm going to tell them how this happened. In my family, and I think I think I, I think I even do it with you, Jennifer. When you're on the phone or whatever, and you you know are you leaving church, and you go, "Okay, love you, bye." He was dropping me off somewhere, and I got out of the car, and he's like, "Okay, uh, we'll see you in a little bit," because he was coming back to pick me up, and I was like, "Okay, love you, bye," and I shut the door, and I walked off, and I could hear him laughing, and I think you even rolled down the window, and you're like, "You said it first. and I was like, "Oh my <laughs> gosh, I did." It just kind of like came out, but. When I was, uh, when I, cause I was taking a motorcycle class, uh, when I was in class, I did think about it and I was like, well, you know, I do care for him. I do, I do love him. So, yeah. So, and my thing, so the issues that I was dealing with was, so the previous relationship was, um, I had said I loved her, but after the fact, after the whole thing ended, it was like, I didn't love her. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was like, why did I say that? Cause I thought I loved her, but. I really didn't know what love was. Yeah. So when we were together, it was like, I'm not rushing into saying that word. You know what I mean? Like, I really wanted to be at that point where it was like, it was a definite, yes, I know I love you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And not just something you say and you think you do. Like, all these dumb kids are like, oh, I love you after a month. Yeah. No, you don't. You don't know what love is. Yeah. Right? So I was in that, at that point where I was like, really have to be sure and know that this is love. Um, You know, one of the things we dealt with too on my end was, you know, I was waiting for marriage. You know what I mean? For, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, we don't know, Daniel. <laughs> so, so the previous, you know, I had, through all my, through all my, you know, stupidness or whatever, like I always did kind of hold back. That was one of those things, those convictions that, you know, from my dad, I was like, no, I need to, Hold on to, to this. You know what I mean? Um, to your purity. To the purity. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so us getting together, you know, we did have to deal with that on my end because uh, that was kind of a, a, an issue for me um, because you had, you weren't. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I was so, not. So that was, I mean, because, uh, you, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> 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 not exactly what I want to say there, but... <laughs> So anyways, we <laughs> in our relationship. <laughs> I really, I hope they know what we're talking about. <laughs> <because> <laughs> <laughs> uh, Catalina wants to see this. So I'm like, ah. <laughs> so in our relationship, before we got married, we did seek God. We did pray. We did fast. We did, you know, make that decision. So when we got married, we knew it was God. Yes. We knew God had really worked worked uh worked in us through our issues helps us break things break through on uh, some bondage and strongholds and stuff yes um, so we knew it was god when we got married yeah so we got married 2010 right after we got married um you know we bought a house i had a, we bought a house before we got married yeah, yeah we but, bought it in well 2010 oh yeah but it was like a couple months before we got yeah married. um but before that you know i did graduate high, uh, college i started working um uh, and then, you know, we finally were in a position where it's like, uh, we can start making a play for getting my brother. Yes. So, so that was one thing at the, at the beginning of our relationship, he, he did tell me from the very beginning, look, 
I, my end goal is I want custody over my brother. I want, I want to raise my little brother. And so going into our relationship, that was something that I had to, that was always in my mind. That was, you know, one of the things about us also praying about and getting together was that was his goal and I needed to be on board with that. And so that was one thing that I prayed about. And I was like, yeah, no, I am, I am on board. I am on board. So, okay. So just as a, as a reference point in our lives, in our testimony. So from here on is when we are saved, when we're um, a Christian couple trying to do things righteously and, and uh, seeking God and everything. Um, and so in this part of our testimony, it's really the trials and struggles that we went through as a Christian because uh, just because you get saved doesn't mean that you stop going through through trials and no. issues. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, how you get through those moments um, as a Christian. I know we don't really get into much on these podcasts. We usually, they get saved. And then talk we a little it. bit yeah. And then the podcast ends. So with us, because we've been, you know, saved and together for 15 the uh, 13 years we've been married, 15 years together. Um, it's kind of a long time, not as long as you know, some others, but a majority of our life. I mean, I'm, I just turned 40, so, you know, that's you know, a big chunk of my life mm-hmm. and your life, especially that uh, dealt with when we were saved. So, yeah. so we're going to talk about kind of the struggles and the things we had to really contend for, and, and you're going to go through things. So as a Christian, you got to stay diligent. You got to stay faithful and trusting God and uh, all your trials and tribulations. You know what I mean? All the the fiery darts that are thrown at you that Pastor Luis is going over right now. Mm -hmm. You got to just keep contending and get breakthrough, man. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll start going into that a little bit. So, okay. So the first thing was, was my brother. So once we got Julian, well, Well, that was a trial in itself. Yeah. Yeah. So. Getting my brother was really tough, and we really, it's a miracle that we got him. Yes. So um, he's half Native American. Uh, his dad and his side of that fat side of the family, uh, they're on the Pueblo Reservation. And so at this point, he was kind of staying more with his grandma. He was still with my sister and, and, the, my, and his grandma, um, but... Uh, he was kind of majority with the grandma. So the courts, the tribal courts, uh, they had, um, what is the word? They had like the rights to the try to us getting him, I guess we had to go through because he, because he lived because his, his place of residence was more than, yeah, was more than so long a period of time. So they saw him as that was his residence. So because it was on, reservation it was the pueblo we had to go through pueblo courts and not through regular courts so you have to understand that pueblo courts they're their own reservation the reservation they're their own nations so um yeah so it's not the normal laws and rules yeah they have their own legal system they have their own judges and cops and everything yes um so i mean the judges so okay so let me back back so uh, so the father, uh, I'm going to try to hold my tongue because there's a lot of stuff I can say <laughs> about about him and the family and the reservation, but, you know, I won't go there. But uh, he had, you know, like 15 other kids. 
he really wasn't involved in his life. No. So when I talked to him and I brought up the fact of, hey, I want to get custody, he was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm cool with it because he didn't really have anything to do with him. Yeah. So we did a letter. Um, he, he signed, signed it. He signed it, no problem. We submitted it to the courts. It was the grandma. The grandma's the one who had pushed back. She was the one who fought. She's the one who went to the the elder uh, chief chief or whatever it was. And so the courts got involved. And then that's when it got really hard. And so we fought for him for over a year um, dealing with the courts. Um, the, the CYFD had to get involved um, uh, from like the reservation CYFD. Yeah. Um, they had to come do a home visit. They had to come talk with us. Um, they gave their recommendation that, yes, they agreed that he'd be better off with us. But the grandma was just very persistent and very like, no, you're not taking my kid. Um, she really wanted him to grow up with the tribal traditions. Um, when they're young, they go into the Kiva for a year. So they go away from society. They go up into the mountains. They go into, you know, they live in the huts and for a whole year. And um, they learn their their tribal ways and yeah, all their witchcraft stuff. stuff. Yeah, and so we really didn't want him to be a part of that, um, and especially because he would go to school and lose a year. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, she was really pushing for it, and so it was really so. The judge, when he finally gave us custody, even told us he's like, "This is unheard of." He's like, "Non-native families never get custody of the kids." Yeah, he's like, even if it's um, the mother who's not native. Yeah. Like she happens to be white or Hispanic. Yeah. yeah. And she's fighting for custody with the dad who's native. They never, they, they always side, they side just with the native family. So yeah. even they were like, it's unheard of, but you know, it's really, God really moved miraculously. Cause after a year, it kind of seemed hopeless. Like, man, we're never going to get this kid. No. I mean, we remember we were even, uh, uh, talking to Pastor uh, Artie, just like yeah. what can can maybe Pastor Artie uh, uh, write us a letter of recommendation in our favor, since he has pull, you know, on the on the Chinle Reservation. Like, is there something that we could do that maybe you know that they could they could help us out or whatever? But I, um, but yeah. So I mean, it was just one thing after another. It was always some excuse, or they would they would schedule a trial for us to go. Daniel would go, and nobody would be there. Uh, remember that one time? Like, so he drives three hours to go to this hearing about custody, and then nobody's there. And they just oh, they just decided to cancel for the day and didn't bother calling. So it was a miracle uh, because the reservation has their own rules. I don't give it to, to non-natives. Um, it's because, so my grandma on my dad's side, um, her second husband's son, um, he used to be, back in the day, he used to work with the tribes. Like he was some government dude. I can't remember what exactly what he did. But uh, he used to work with the tribes in New Mexico. So he knew like the tribal chief and all that stuff. And so mm -hmm. he had called me one day. He's like, Hey, do you want me to help? I'll call, you know, the, the elders and stuff like that. And like I know them. Yeah. Yeah. And so he called and him getting involved is really what helped us. What helped us a lot. I mean, if it wasn't for him, you know, we probably wouldn't have got custody. He probably would have denied us, but he had influence. And then that's when I think he got in the accident. Julian got hurt. 
Yeah, but I don't know if that really helped in our case. But anyways, so him getting involved, the CYFD coming uh, to our house and siding with us that, yes, no, we agree. He, he's better off with us. And Julian's aunt. And Julian's aunt, yes. Julian's aunt. Um, uh, yes, she wrote a letter or talked to the elders and said, yeah, that yeah. He, he'd be better off with us. So anyways, we got custody of him in 2010. So, you know, he was living with us. So, I mean, that was a major miracle. I mean, we prayed. Everybody was praying for us. Um, Santa Fe Church. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. So Family. It was, so it was a pretty huge milestone that we got custody. It was a miracle. Yeah. Um, so he lived with us for a while. So uh, this time we had only been married for like a year and a half. I was pregnant with Catalina. So we had a new baby when we actually got full custody of Julian because we got like custody of him, but he, he got, had to finish his school year out there. And then I think we like got him, got him in June, wasn't it? Like, I thought we got him before Catalina was born. Every well, technically like we did, but they wanted him to finish his oh. school year out. So that's yeah. why I was like, okay, so he finished his school year out and then we got him. So Catalina was born in May and then, and then we got custody. So he was with us cause he was there at the hospital when Catalina was born. Yeah. Like he was there, he got to hold her and stuff. So, okay. So I'll explain, I'll get into Julian, um, a little later, but, uh, so that was a milestone, you know, that God broke through uh, for us. Uh, the other thing that we dealt with, so like I had mentioned, I went to school for architecture. Uh, right now I'm a licensed architect. I got licensed in 2018. But uh, up until 2018, you know, the biggest thing we had was it was a financial thing. So I got laid off um, and right after we got married, like 2000, I got to 2011. I got laid off. Yeah. No. We got married 2010. No, no, 2010. No, 2010. Yeah, so we got married 2010 in May. I got laid off in September. Um, so it was kind of fallback from the economy after the 2008 crisis, the housing crisis. The economy just went to crap. Yeah. Um, architecture and construction was hit really hard. Um, it was really hard to get a job. All my classmates, uh, they got laid off. Um Majority of them moved on to something else. They got jobs doing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, Outside of the architectural I, area. During that time, you know, it was it was hard to find a job in architecture. I couldn't. Um, everybody I talked to was like, we just laid everybody off. It's just me. I remember you going that several times door to door, knocking on architects' uh, offices and homes' offices and turning it you just turning in your resume you know giving them and they're like hey we just got rid of our all our employees it's just me working by myself because they couldn't even support staff anymore and so yeah so it was financially i mean it was tough i was yeah i was out there man i was looking for jobs left and right like as hard as i could we were selling everything anything of value in our house (laughs) we were just trying to make ends meet we were like uh, i did uh um i had a a hobby of photography. And so if, uh, my cousin, Stephanie, asked if we would uh, photograph her wedding. And yeah. so that kind of kick-started an idea of, well, what if we try doing this for work? And so we opened up a little business, DNL Photography, and uh, we started doing that just to try to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, Graduation so start, pictures, weddings. So we started, getting, we started getting some jobs from that. I started doing some work for the high school, and uh, we started getting graduation pictures and weddings and stuff like that. So... We were doing that. I was doing side work with my dad. Um, whatever little work he had, 
like I said, the construction industry was just dead. Yeah. So my dad had it real hard because, so he's a designer, contractor. He has his own business. And so we, uh, yeah, I was just trying to do whatever we could. I was, uh, a few years, you know, we struggled for a while just trying to find work. And then my former employer who laid me off, he ended up hiring me through uh, doing contract work, uh, probably what, like 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was a lot later, yeah. And so, you know, I started at that point, you know, we we started doing okay. We started, you know, getting some jobs here and there. I started working with another architect, doing side work, contract work. So, I mean, when we did our taxes, I had a bunch of revenue streams. I had photography, stuff with my dad. I had contract work, 1099 here, 1099 any, there. Any, any area that we could try to make money, yeah. So yeah, so we just tried to make ends meet. But, but during this, so before we get to there, though, you know, before things, you know, 2013 started to pick up, 2011, 12, um, were horrible years for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this was, I mean, we made, you know, we went to do our taxes and we made $13,000 that year. Yeah. And during this whole time, <laughs> we always paid our bills. You know, like God. We paid our tithe. God helped us through this, through get through this because we still kept a credit rating of over 700. Yep. We never fell behind on bills. We never, you know, I'd pay the the mortgage on the fifteenth, the last day you could. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but we paid it, and when we thought like we would spend our last dollar paying bills, you'd be like, I don't know what else we got. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was and then, nothing. And then you know, I'd get a call and say, Hey, I got a you know a photography thing. Can you do it? And so there we'd get some money. Like God always kind of came through for us there. Like, and I always tell people this now. Because during that stretch of really... Three years? No, well, so we had about roughly three years of really bad, really struggling to make it. Like, it's... Yeah. I don't know how in the world we made it. Only by the grace of God. Yeah, because technically, even when we filed our taxes that year, it was like, technically, all you made only covered the mortgage. That wasn't cell phone. That wasn't car insurance. That wasn't gas. That wasn't groceries. That wasn't anything. And somehow... We you, we made it, and it was all because of God. Because technically, on paper, it doesn't add up. Like we shouldn't have survived that year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, in 2013, things started to pick up a little bit. Um, but from even from 2013 to 2018, it was still rough. Like it was slow, gradual. Started doing a little better here and there, mm-hmm. but it still wasn't great. You know what I mean? So we were still taking on any work we could get. I was still doing more architecture work, but also doing photography work, like. And then I was studying for You're my exams. You're studying, yeah, you were studying. So I was studying so. for my exams and trying to get all that um, done. And uh, he was he was so busy, and then he was you know just with work. I was a stay at home mom. I'm still a stay at home mom. Um, that they would we would laugh when we would go to church, and they'd be like, "Oh," and I'd be like, "I don't know how Daniel's doing because yes, technically he's at home, but he's locked away in his office, and I haven't really seen him in two days, other than to maybe come out to eat dinner with us, but." He was just so busy just studying and working, doing whatever yeah. he could to support us. So during this time, um, so ever since I got laid off, just so just to kind of let everybody know, like ever since I got laid off, I've never worked for somebody full time. Like, yeah, it's always been doing my own thing, working with my dad, trying to figure out, you know, OK, we're trying to get work, a little work here and there. Um, and then, you know, the, 
these last four years, the business has started growing. And so I opened up my own business. Um, and so, you know, I never relied on somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you didn't. You didn't have a normal job. It, we was didn't have not a, an, it wasn't a normal nine to five. It was not a normal paycheck every two weeks, or yeah. even monthly a paycheck. Like so, it was just whenever. Yeah. So during this time, I mean, I tell people now because we try to help. You know, we've started a business. We've we've had a business for the last four years. Uh, prior to that, you know, it was me and my dad and his business. Um, so even now, trying to help a lot of these young guys, these you know, parolees like Casey and Jonathan and some others. You know what I mean? That. Uh, that are doing their business, um, you know, I always tell them, like, if you want to start your own business, that's going to be one of the biggest faith faith tests and trials that you will go through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I said, like, we have faith. When it comes to financial, um, because we've gone through years of not knowing when that next job is going to come, how it's going to come, and then God just moves at the last minute. Yeah. When you think, crap. You know what I mean? Like we have something due tomorrow and then we go to the mailbox and it's like, Hey, I got a thousand dollar check from the mortgage cause the escrow overpayment. You know yeah. I mean? Like just it's yeah, like, surprise things. It's yeah. like just, just stuff that we didn't think about. Right. But it's even, like, but even remember when, uh, when, uh, pastor Morales challenged us before, you know, we were in Rio Rancho that, uh, that just give a, give a faith offering. You need to give a faith offering. And it was like, we only had, I don't even know the amount. It probably wasn't a lot. I would think maybe maybe at the most 50 bucks. And he was like, you need to give a faith offering. And we were like, okay. And we we're like, just give it. Just give it all. And it was like, we didn't know what what else, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that was grocery money. I mean, I know your grandma helped us. You know, she would she'd make food for us every month. You know what I mean? And that helped us. And I know, you know, your parents would, you know, take us to lunch. My parents would take us to lunch and, you know, help pay for things, yeah. you know, diapers for Catalina. And so, so, so just to throw this out there too, how, how bad it was in New Mexico. So, you know, I tried looking for a job for years. Yeah. Trying to get uh, anything. After I exhausted all the architecture route, um, the contractor route, drafting route, and nothing was available. Like I tried everything. And um, I even interviewed for... Uh, was it the nine one one? Oh, dispatch. Response? Yeah, dispatch. And they he told was overqualified. me they told me the same thing that everybody else did was you're overqualified. Like because I had a master's, um, they knew that I was on kind of on this route for architecture. So in their minds, they were like, "Well, we don't really want to hire you because you're not going to stick around. Yeah, you're going to get an architecture job and leave us. Yeah. So even just regular jobs, I couldn't get it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you applied. You applied everywhere. So yeah, so I mean, I tried. And then 2012, kind of at, you know, after... Uh, Catalina was born. Yeah, so I ended up getting a job. Again, the only way I got this job was uh, was because of Mary. your mom. Yeah. And Mary, she had the connection for a security guard. And, <laughs> like, I couldn't even get that job when I if I applied by myself because they wanted experience. But because uh, Liz's mom's friend had a friend who was, like, one of the main guys, they gave me a job. And talk about humbling. That was a humbling experience because here I am with a master's degree <laughs> and I'm working for $9 an hour as a security guard with my rape whistle. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> I don't even get a, I don't even get a baton, a beat stick or nothing. I get a oh rape God. whistle. <laughs> like, here's a whistle, sir. Go ahead and blow it. And it was the night shift. 
It's a, yeah. Graveyard. So it's graveyard shift. Yeah. So it was like, that was, that was the other thing. I remember you coming to me and you were, which is God moving, right? One, you, you being even able to even get that job was a miracle from God. Right. And then you were telling me, cause you know, you're only getting paid $9 an hour. You're like, okay, babe, you're going to have to go find work. And I just had Catalina and I was like, no, I want to be with home with my baby. Even though if I got work, we knew we had planned, okay, you would work during the day and Kat, Daniel would watch Catalina during the day. You know what I mean? So it wasn't even like she was having to go through daycare or have a babysitter. It was, no, daddy's just going to watch her during the day since he worked graveyard. And even me getting the job that I got at CME was just a miracle too. His cousin, Vanessa, we had talked about this. I think it was like on a Wednesday. And then Thursday, I was supposed to, you know, start putting fillers out and I didn't I was you know like holding back and um Vanessa his cousin called and said hey we're hiring a receptionist do you want to apply and I said sure and she said send me your resume I sent it to her that night or that evening afternoon whatever it was she forwarded it on to her boss and he was like can she start tomorrow and I was like well I can't start tomorrow but I can start Monday and so started Monday Turns out like a week later, because uh, he ended up going on a business trip. So I show up on Monday. Nobody knows I'm there. He hired me without telling the rest of the staff. Only Vanessa knew. So I had was like, uh, she can tell you. She can tell you. You know, the HR lady, like, she can tell you. Like, I, they hired me. And... And he hadn't even looked at my resume. He just was like, yeah, sure, I trust you. Go, you know, And so I got that job, and that yeah, helped. That was a miracle. That was a miracle, too, yeah. And, and, and it did work with our schedule where I worked part-time. Yep. You came home. I handed off Catalina. I took the car because we were down to one vehicle. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so during this, during this time, like I said, it was extremely humbling. Yeah. Um, it was like, okay, God, like, I'll do whatever it takes. You know what I mean? But it ended up being a blessing in disguise because the job that I had um, – was a graveyard shift in uh, a space that nobody was even in. So it was just me. And it was an empty building. Yeah. And like a week after I got there, you know, I had to do patrols, but then like a week later, they're like, nah, you don't have to do patrols anymore. Just stay there. So I stayed in the office and I would do uh, my side work. So the photography stuff, the drafting stuff that I was doing, um, I was doing it on the job. So I was kind of getting paid double. So it was like, it was a perfect opportunity um, it worked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. things started to pick up, um, architecturally with my dad's company. And so she quit, I quit and we started doing that more full time, um, part time ish. And, uh, so anyways, so throughout this whole time, I mean, God is just kind of sum it up. Like God has been, man, faithful. Have, he's been faithful. Um, you know, we went through it a lot. We've, we've, we're calloused on our faith. You know what I mean? Like going through financial hardship stuff, even now, you know, it's like, I'm not even worried about it. Like I'm not stressed because of everything we've gone through. God's always come through, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, we moved to San Antonio, started my own business. Um, I still work with my dad. You know, we're still partners and stuff, but um, being licensed, like, man, God has just blessed us tremendously. And I think Mm -hmm. because we were faithful through all this years of crap and not having anything and trusting God, like it just built our faith. Like we're starting to see the, you know, the the benefits and reaping the the rewards from that. And um, so anyways, so that was a big faith builder um, that we had got through. Um, 
just to kind of close that off, I guess, as far as dealing with faith, is being here in San Antonio, um, we've even had to come to the realization, though, that even though we're doing good, and 2019, no, 2020, 2021, during the whole COVID shutdown, lockdown, everybody not working, um, we were extremely busy. Yes. I had so much work. I had to hire people to help me. Um, I mean, God just moved like tremendously in yeah. our lives. Um, and then last year, things slowed down. Things happened uh, that we lost some work and things weren't as busy. And so, again, even at that point, we got to a point where we were doing good. And we still had to get to that realization of we still have to rely on God. Like, even if we're doing good, you still have to rely, especially as a yes. business owner. Yes. Um, so, you know, I came to that realization of for the rest of my life, as long as I'm a business owner, I'm going to have to pray fast, read my Bible, continuously contend for God mm-hmm. to bring work because it can dry up in instantly. Instant. Yeah. So anyways, so, you know, as a Christian and your faith and your finances and your work, it don't matter if you're good, you're still going to have to contend you're yeah. still, for the rest of your life. You're going to have to just trust God. Yep. Because it can all go away like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, as long as, you know, as long as you just realize it doesn't matter how much money I make, it doesn't matter how good I'm doing, trust God. And for us, we've always made it a point to be a blessing. We want to be a blessing to others, to to our pastors, to our pastors, to visiting pastors. Like to some, to, to cut this off, just stay faithful, stay diligent in your faith and trusting God. Um, read, pray fast, you know, I still continue to fast um, for work, for just staying um, blessable, like Pastor Greg mentioned in his uh, Kingdom Prosperity. You know what I mean? Like you want to be blessable. Um, yeah. So anyways. Well, and then to, to be blessable, right, for God to be able to use you, 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 you need to do your your part, and that's, again, being faithful in ties and offerings and, you know what I mean, and stuff like Going that. Going above and, so and beyond. Go and be above and beyond good point because that's one thing too it's like people just think oh i just have to do that i just have to do my ties and maybe a little bit of offering and that's it and it's like no like why why hinder the work of god that god can do through you let you know it's like you want to be you want god well okay i guess this goes both ways right it's like like but if you want to be a blessing to others you need to be able to be blessable and part of that is yeah going above and beyond and just you know it sometimes huh, it's even just like oh we're a little tight but it's like no we're blessing them you know the, the somebody coming to preach for us or you know the evangelist and it's like no you know what no no it's we know we know we know god's gonna move and so it's just like we don't, don't even sometimes think twice about it it's just like okay yeah no yep. so there's so that's that um that portion of our life so again we're gonna rewind and go back to this whole situation with my brother um so we had, during this time my brother was living with us, we had Catalina and Ariana. Um, raising Julian was really tough. So he was 10 years old when we got him. 10 years he had of... Instability. Doing whatever he wanted. Um, yeah, instability, kind of bouncing house to house. If he was unhappy here, he would call and go to my sisters. When he was unhappy there, he'd call and go to my grandma's. When he was unhappy there, he'd call and go to my aunt and uncle's. And like... There was no structure. There was no um, 
responsibility, no discipline. So you can just imagine 10 years of this when we get him and we try to teach him um, right from wrong, how to, uh, I wanted to teach him, you know, how to be a man of God, how to. Uh, just simple things like chores or yeah. because you're mad at us. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't leave just because you're mad at us. Like, no, you're, you're, you're stuck, stuck with us. Yeah. Like, no leaving for the weekend, you know. Yeah. So, so it was really tough. Like it was nerve wracking. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. have, <laughs> there's dents in, in the uh, middle doors of our old house in New Mexico because <laughs> I punched the door instead of his face. <laughs> but, uh, this man never really gets mad, but man, Julian could push his brother's buttons. And yeah, I was just like, Daniel hulked out a couple of times. <laughs> so, you know, and I love that kid to death. Yes. Um, I understood that the tragedy from my mom dying, growing up without a mom and, you without know, a father. You know, his dad not around. He always strived for a relationship from his dad. Um, and he always had this false uh, world that he built of like, oh, if I go back, I can have a relationship and whatnot. And so he gave us a really hard time. Um, not all the time. Not all the time. No, but yeah. But we, yeah, had a, we, yeah. Had a, we had a, of course, you know, we had a bunch of good times, good memories. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, he did. Obviously, he loved us. He loved two girls. Oh, yeah. He was um, very close with Catalina. But he still always held on to to uh, that hope of having a relationship with his dad. Yeah. And, you know, he had a rebellious spirit. Um, a lot of the stuff, you know, he'd go through moments where he did good. He'd get saved. Um, he'd go to boot camp, come back, really changed and saved. He'd do good. as He was an, uh, an usher. He was all dressed in nice in suits. In, and in the skit team. Yeah. So, like, he had moments, but you know, we, we had moments where we had to deal with him and uh, he made things really tough sometimes, you know what I mean? And, you know, one moment he stole our car in the middle of the night to get a call. And we only had one vehicle. So it was our only car that we had. And yeah. I get a call in the middle of the night and the cop, cop had to come pick me up. I had to ride in the back of the cop car <laughs> to go get him. And um, I remember having that moment where the cop's like, you can press charges. And... I was just like, man, I wanted to. But to I scare knew. him, yeah. But then I was like, man, if we do, and if this goes on his record, like this can totally ruin his life. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I, was like, I gave him grace. Um, this was probably around 16, 17-ish. No, about 17. He was 17 at this time. He was 17. This is right before he left. Oh, okay. And so, and so anyways, it got to a point where um, I finally had to just approach him and be like, dude, if this isn't what you want, if this isn't the life you want, you're 17 years old, you can make that decision to go back to the res. Well, okay, so we, well, so that was one thing when we did, and we had said, no, it's not, there's not going to be this back and forth because he had so much of this this freedom, and we were like, no, you're you're with us. It's not just, you know, holidays, you can go visit family, yada, yada. But it wasn't going to be this this wishy-washy, this back and forth, you're going to be in a stable home. But it was because he started bringing, he started getting caught with drugs. And it was some incident that happened with school or something. And so we had to sit down and really discuss, well, yeah. now we have two daughters. Yeah, so Ariana was a baby, you know what I mean? And it was like, okay, well, if he's going to start bringing stuff home and getting involved in stuff, like... Yeah, it was we were making a stand like, Hey, we're not going to, we're not going to put up with this. Yeah. You're like, if you get caught, you're, you're on the street. And so, I mean, we even wrestled it out once. Yeah. We came home from 
Louisa is having. Yeah. But uh, but anyways, I just kind of wanted to kind of go quickly through all this stuff. Oh, okay. But uh, so anyways, I gave him the ultimatum. He chose, he wanted to go back to the res, try to have a relationship with his dad. I had told him, you know, a bunch of stuff of what's going to happen. Um, I go more in depth in the suicide podcast um, that you can look up. I'll put a link in the description. And I really go into depth more about this whole situation. But anyways, what ended up happening is he went there for two years, um, you know, was partying, doing his own thing. Um, Wasn't going to school. Failing he ended school. Up, he failed all his classes. He was lying to us, though. Um, I didn't find out he failed everything until after the fact. But two years later, you know, I get a call. Um, he's crying. He's, you know, tripping on uh, mushrooms, saying he's seen demons. Um, uh, he's crying and saying, hey, everything you told me came true. My family doesn't care about me. Nobody loves me. My dad doesn't love me. Um, uh, I'm not happy. Like, he was in misery. He was hopeless. Mm-hmm. He thought that. And so the thing is that, you know, he came and experienced what it was like to live in a godly home, a godly home to have his own bedroom that was clean, not, you know, made out of mud. You know what I mean? And just dirty. Not sharing a room with your uncle, uncle or yeah, it was, he had and his own room. So, you know, his own you could, stuff. So you got to understand people in New Mexico understand the reservation is pretty dirty. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's not a great place to live. Um, so anyways, he came, he experienced a good life. When he went back, he th- lived the life that he thought he wanted. He realized it wasn't because of the foundation that we kind of put into him a little bit. He knew the truth. He, yeah. he, so yeah. he was crying. You know, I prayed with him. He did a sinner's prayer. Um, he was, you know, he wanted to come live, live with us again. He's like, can I come back with you? Um, well, again, you can tune into the podcast to find out more, but he ended up killing himself. Um, the demons were just kind of lying to his head, lying to him that nobody loves you, nobody cares for you. It was that same day that he called me. Yes. Um, I was probably, I was the last person to call to talk to him. Um, you know, I think I can hear it in his voice because he hung up on me. We were in the middle of a conversation and he hung up on me. I can hear the hopelessness in his voice and he hung up on me. And I called him, I texted him and he wouldn't answer. Um, again, you can watch the podcast, but he ended up killing himself. So getting that call was one of the worst things in my life that I've ever had to deal with um, as a family. Well, you've but you've experienced that type of phone call with your mom. I did. So you've gone through this several times. Yes, but this was, you know, I mean, when my brother was 17, so it was, it was just a little different. You know I mean, it's like, that's my little brother. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just talked to him 15 minutes ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. 45 minutes ago. And so, so, I mean, as a family, as a couple with our daughters, um, Man, like that was one of the biggest trials we've had to go through. Yes. Um, so him getting that, I was in the kitchen cooking because we were getting ready for uh, Easter fellowship at the church. So It was uh, um, underground. No, I know, but I was cooking potatoes for like the next, oh, the next day. day. Yeah. And so we were getting ready for our underground, our concert scene. And... Uh, we, you know, we're dealing with this or whatever. And so I'm in the kitchen, the girls are in the bathtub because I'm trying to get them washed before we, you know, head out the door. And 
seeing Daniel collapse to his knees. Like I, that's one thing, like I'll never forget. I was just there and I turn and you're just on the ground on your knees. And I don't even know exactly what happened, you know, at the, at that moment. And he looks at me and all I say is go take the keys and go, just go. Like I just knew he needed to go, you know what I mean? And so it was actually, because you were on the phone and when you finally left, it was actually me getting a hold of Leo and Leo actually telling me everything that had happened because I was still like, I, I knew something bad happened, but I didn't quite know exactly what happened and what was going on. And so, yeah, yeah that was. So, you know, dealing with that, you know, for a while, um, just with us, with dealing with the death, with our daughters, having to explain to them you know, that he had died. You know, we kept it from them of how he died for a while until the suicide, the, until we did the suicide podcast. Then yeah. it came out of how he died. We didn't really want to burden them with that. Um, that, that was hard. Talk about, cause this was Easter weekend. I told, we, we dropped the, my mom came and picked up the girls and we said, just celebrate Easter. Don't just, just, you know, just celebrate Easter. Don't, you know, just some, just, try to make it a good Easter. And so sure enough, they did. And then when we picked him up on Monday and took him home and had to sit down in the living room and tell them that was just, yeah, I mean, that killed Catalina. I mean, cause she was so close with her. She called him Brunkle cause he was a brother more than an uncle. And so she, he was Brunkle to her. And so just seeing her, I mean, she was little, just her just crying. I mean, Ariana, she was sad, but she didn't quite, she was young. She was three, four, three. So she, she was, she didn't quite understand, you know, at that time or whatever, but just Catalina just weeping, weeping in Daniel's arms on the couch. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh my gosh. So yeah. So having to tell her that. So this was another moment in our salvation that we really had to pray and contend that, um, to hold hope that. Yes that that sinner's prayer that he prayed with me minutes before, before minutes before that he wasn't in his right mind he was influenced by the devil he was saying he was seeing demons the devil was lying to him this demonic influence you don't understand how strong and how much power that can have over somebody and their actions and what they do mm -hmm. you know what i mean so you know we one of the big things that got us through this is that hope that God is a merciful and graceful God and that the prayer that he said, Julian, that he had that true intention of God, I want you, but the demons were just in his head, man. And, and he wasn't in his right mind being on drugs. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I mean, we just all hope that, you know, he's, he's in heaven. Um, so this one was another just really hard thing that we had to get through in our faith and just really rely on God and trust God. Um, during this, dealing with death, though, you know, because I've always thought of, you know, when somebody dies, when a family member dies, a kid dies, um, and Julian was, you know, sort of a, a kid, he was my brother, but we you know, raised him and stuff, is, you know, a lot of people question God. Yeah. Like, why God? Why did you take them from me? So young, I mean? yeah. And, you know, that was never really a concern in my head. Um I don't think it was for you either. No. I think at this point in our faith, we relied and trusted on God that, that no. I mean, we're in a world that we still have to make decisions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. 
he made a decision. And so we just have that hope that, again, I mean, it's unfortunate, but like my mom, it's unfortunate that there's a lot of those people that know right from wrong. Yes. And they don't make that that choice to live for God. And so you just got to pray. I hope that you have a, a chance before you die to make things right. Yeah. It's sad, yeah. but it's reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, I hold hope that both of them are in heaven. Um, so that was a tough one. And then, you know, a year later, um, my cousin, who was another, he was a brother to me. You know, we grew up together. He was a you know, He brother. was your best man at the wedding. He was a brother from another mother. You know what I mean? Like, he was literally my brother. He committed suicide as well. Um, so, again, this was a year, you know, four months later, that we're having to deal with this again. And, again, just having to just pray and, like, man, Lord, I just hope that he he cried out to you and his last moments. And I don't know. You know what I mean? So, yeah. again, he was one that we I would always witness to and, you know, he came to church with us a few times and he got saved. And, yeah. You know, I, we would always pray for him and hang out with him and his 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 kids. And, and whenever know. he had concerns or questions or, you know, going through stuff, he'd call you and you guys would talk for hours, you know. And yeah. So, um, so one of those things that, you know, <clears throat> I want to put out there is for you being saved that have family and friends that aren't saved, Remember, you're the light in their life. Yes. So you bring that hope to them. So witness to them. Um, obviously, you know, it gets to a point where you can only witness to them so much, right? Where it's like it's beating a, a dead, dead horse. horse and they get annoyed with you. So obviously, you know, that's not good when it gets to that point. So, But you just have to be there for them and let them know, like, hey, man, Jesus loves you. And when you're ready, like make that decision. Like I'm here for you. you know yes. I mean? Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Like, and just really just kind of encouraging them and throwing it out there that God loves you and that, um, there's hope, right. And you just pray for them and pray for them. And, um, in our lives, that's what we did. And we became kind of a center stone for a lot of our friends and family that when they go through stuff, they call us first, they would call us because they know that we're grounded, that, uh, we have a godly marriage, that we have, you know, a godly family and that we have a good life. You know what I mean? We don't have drama in our life. We don't have the heartache and stuff that, you know, my family has. Like I said, my family is nothing but drama. It's all, you know, violence and un, uh, it's up un, and down, up unnatural, and down. Unnatural deaths, you yeah. know what I mean? People getting killed and dying in unnatural ways and drugs and alcohol. And um, so, you know, we always aimed to be the light and, be there for people. So for my cousin, when he killed himself, you know, it was like, okay, God, again, just praying that, that, you know, he cried out. And again, it was a demonic influence that I think a lot of these people that are suicidal are in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was another moment that, you know, God had to help us get through. Yeah, um, definitely. So, you know, just to kind of wrap things up before we go too long, kind of the last thing I want to touch on and, that God has really helped us on is is moving from uh, New Mexico to Rio Rancho. I no, mean, no. From Rio Rancho to San Antonio. <laughs> so this is one of those things where, um, so I always hated New Mexico. 
uh, when I moved from Portland, when I moved to Portland, I never wanted to come back. I only came back because of family. Um, my grandparents, my mom, my brother. Um, and so in 2017, uh, all my grandparents died within one year. Yeah, um, was like back to back. And then uh, Julian died in 2019, my mom 2005. So uh, when my grandma was uh, was dying on her deathbed, she was the last one to go of my grandparents. Um, my stepsister uh, had mentioned that her and her husband were going to move here to San Antonio. And so Liz has history here. Cause she used to always come here because of uh, Pastor Ben and Peggy. Mm-hmm. Her family grew up real close. So Leonard was already here. Yeah, so she, we had come a few times. I really liked it here. And so we had thrown out about moving because I hated New Mexico. So I love big cities. And so uh, when they said that, I was like, oh, well, shoot, well, we're moving too. Yeah. Just jokingly <laughs> just saying, you know, that if my parents move, my parents will have to follow because all the grandkids will come. My mom will follow. Yeah, my mom was like, yeah, we'll follow, we'll follow. Leonard's already there. So that's when we started kicking around the idea. And then uh, that was 2017. Um, So 2019, you know, basically everybody was dead. So it was like, well, I mean, it's sad to say that, but it was like, there's nothing keeping us in New Mexico. You know what I mean? It was like, there's no no reason to stay here. Yeah. Um, During this time, though, I mean, this is when Julian had gone back to the res. So it was like, he made that choice, right? This is before he died. Right, yeah, yeah. So it was like, well, there's no really real reason to stay here. Um, I was working on my licensing, trying to get uh, through my exams and my internship hours and stuff. And so once I finished that, I mean, we were praying for, it was two, two years, two and a half years, we prayed um, diligently. I mean, I I fasted probably once a week for almost two years and... Well, then that one month of October, like, because we, I, we asked the Mickens and we asked my mom and dad and we said every Thursday this month, we're going to fast for the month of October and pray. So that was the other thing we, with our pastor, uh, Pastor Mickens and his wife, Shelly, we had discussed this with them, you know, like, Hey, we're thinking about moving. Would you guys help us pray about it and, and seek God's, um, direction about us, us, us leaving. And we also reached out to Pastor Luis and Naomi yeah. and we said, Hey, we think we want to move to San Antonio. Would you guys pray with us, you know, during this time? So it was two years of us, family members, and then, um, our pastor and then, um, a pastor friend that ended up, he is our pastor now, you know, we're under his headship, Pastor yeah, Luis. So everybody was praying for us. We were praying diligently. Um, during this time, we got a few different words that confirmed yes. our decision to move. Um, From evangelists and just and revivals. Pastor, yeah, pastors. Pastor Mickens, I called you out once. and Yeah. And it was something you were dealing with that night before. Yeah. And he... About leaving, because I was like, no, I don't want to leave. This is where I grew up. This is home. Like, I had never been anywhere else other than in Mexico. I mean, you have to travel, but not to live. So it was hard for me. So when we made the decision, it it wasn't a decision that was made on a whim. No. It was, you know, years of us preparing and praying and everybody contending and praying for us. And our pastor, Pastor Mickens and Shelly, both agreed that it was God that wanted us to move here. Pastor Luis and uh, Naomi um, as well um, because of everything that I had gone through with my mom and uh, 
domestic violence and with other family members, that has always been a burden on my heart. Um, talking with Pastor Luis and his ministry with the parolees. And, yes, that was something. And helping, uh, uh, again, women in need. Mm-hmm. Like, we had the same vision. It was like, oh, man, like, we're totally into what you're doing. Yes. And, you know, we want to help as much as we can. You know what I mean? So they prayed and they knew that it was God bringing us here. Um, I finally got licensed. And then we were like, well, shoot, let's go. So we got our house ready, sold it, and then we moved. And so. Well, well, well that's when we lost Julian as we had, yeah. we were putting the, the house on the market and then we lost Julian right before we left. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. So in that process, we were dealing with the loss of Julian. Yeah. But we moved to San Antonio. Um, and it's 100%. Even just how we found our house. I don't want to get all into, I don't want to drag this on, but it was a miracle. The house that we got. It was literally I mean, the last one we looked at. It was the last one we looked at. It was something that we shouldn't even shouldn't have even got. Right. But yeah. God worked a miracle on how we got it and kept the payment at what we were expecting to pay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a miracle. I mean, yep. No, I mean, flat out. If you're interested, you can ask us in person. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> every, everything that happened was <laughs> it was just a miracle how it happened over a weekend. And uh, so being here, I mean, God's been moving. Um, we started the podcast with Pastor, with Pastor Luis. We're on the same vision, same page with Pastor and his his goals, you know, of trying to help these parolees. and mm-hmm. The parole um, ministry and everything, yeah. And so, you know, it truly has been God. And, um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, I just want to point that out as far as, like, in making decisions, um, you got to just contend. And you always have to pray and seek God in everything. So no matter how major or minor, you know what I mean? Like yes, this, this no, is absolutely. obviously a big, a big move for us, but you got to seek God and you got to, in your faith, faithfulness, you got to, you know, read your Bible and fast and pray and seek counsel from others. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and pray for, you know, get those words and God will, you know, speak to you and reveal to you. You know what I mean? So. Yes. Well, and then, so I want to say, too, one thing that I, even because I homeschooled my daughters, uh, when we do Bible study, one thing that I always, you know, I break it down and I tell the girls is who's, whose way is better, our way or God's way, and whose counsel is better, our our thoughts or God's counsel on what we should do. And so I've wanted to, since the girls are little, I've always it, like told them like, look in everything, I don't care if it's a, you think it's a little thing you need to pray and talk to God about it because his guidance is what's going to get you through life in general. And it might be a little issue. It might, but definitely the big issues, but always, going to him, even in the little things, I think even as a kids, you know, and training, you know, teaching our daughters is that how easy it is that you can go to God and for them to build their, their relationship of the communication with God of their prayer life, you know, to grow their prayer life for them. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it is the little things, but you start off with the little things, you know what I mean? And then eventually, uh, you know, as you, mature in your relationship in Christ or even just mature as an adult, your issues change. Right. And so it's, if you can train your children now to, to talk with God and to speak with God over the little things and communicate that, yeah, as you get older, it'll, it should be easier for them. But yes, in all things you need to, you need to seek God's advice because ultimately he has the best advice. He's not going to give you bad advice. (laughs) Yeah. Or guide you wrong, you know. He's not going to lead you astray. 
Yeah. So just to kind of sum up um, the podcast and our testimony, um, you know, we don't have those crazy testimonies of, uh, you know, like Sam and Joseph or a lot of these others that deal Had with through abuse or abuse, addiction and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We don't have that kind of kind of testimony. But the thing that we do have is, is all, a lot of these moments of faith and trust building. Those monuments that we can yeah. turn back and remember. And, and so, you know, like I said, we've been saved together, you know, for, you know, 15 years, 14 years. Um, was it 2008 when we really got serious mm-hmm. is when we, we were like, no, we need to put God first. So that's kind of what I'm going to count as our beginning point, right? Okay, yeah. So that's what, 14 years ago? Yeah. So uh, 15 years ago? What is it? I don't know. You're asking me to do math at 9 o'clock at night. Oh, that's 15 <laughs> years ago. So 2007, 16 years. Yeah. Dang, so okay. 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. Yeah. Okay, so 15 years We're ago. not old. We're not old. <laughs> so 15 years, you know, that we've been seeking God, but we've still had to go through stuff. Yes. That we still have to to trust God. We still got to build is our it, faith. Yeah, is it hard? Yeah. Is it nerve-wracking? Heck yeah, when you're trying to support a family, you know, as a as a husband, as, you know, a man of God, you, you know, and our goal was that I would be a stay-at-home mom and you're having to support us and here. Yeah, you're. But we still have to rely on God, right? So, you know, the thing that you can get from our testimony is, is you just got to be diligent in your faith, mm-hmm. in your salvation, and that there's rewards from it. You know what I mean? Um, like I said, you know, I love my wife. We don't have drama. Um, we work well together. We're on the same page mentally, spiritually. We're on the same page because we seek each other's uh, counsel through God first. Um, our daughters. You know, we have the best little girls, <laughs> respectful. Yeah, you know I mean, everybody tells us, man, your daughters are so well behaved and, you know, so you know mature. And our whole thing has been a foundation of God. Yes. We want to raise our daughters with the foundation of God. and To be godly women. <clears throat> and we show them the power of prayer, the power of, uh, of reading your Bible and seeking God and being kind to others and blessing others. and Being a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. That, and so... You know, so our goal is to be a family that that is an example of godly favor, right? Mm-hmm. So, by seeking God in all that you do, by um, by pursuing God and everything, like God will bless you, and God will move in all areas of your life. Well, and then you saying too, like, like be, be, you are the light for, for family members, for, you know, coworkers, whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, when they see you going through hard times, but yet still have the victory and still have this hope and this just differentness, you know, about you, it's like, they're going to question, they're going to wonder, they're going to ask, you know, is that, and then that's when you, you know, when you can get your witness in, that's when you can, you know, show them and, you know, not just tell them, but show them through your walk that over the years, right? Because we still have family members, we still have loved ones, best friends that aren't saved, that we are still contending for, that we haven't lost hope, that it's, you know, that God's going to get a hold of them one day. And when they're ready, we will be here for them. You know what I mean? And I think what you're saying is good is it's don't, um, don't take for granted your faithfulness, right? Because people mm-hmm. do notice your family, your kids. Trust me, your kids yes. watch everything you do. Yes. So if you freak out and stress and blow up, your kids are picking that up. Yes. Right. Yeah. So so don't take that for granted. Like 
you working through your trials and seeking God and your victory through that, people will see that and notice. And then that's how you can win people to Christ, because which is the whole goal of this podcast is we want people to see the hopelessness that people went through and see the hope that they have now because they conquered that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They conquered those those trials and tribulations and those bondages and afflictions and all that stuff, right? Yes. Is it's this podcast is I mentioned it before is we want to create that hope for those people that are watching the hopeless right now. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So, anyways, that's what we got. Hope we didn't bore you too much. <laughs> <laughs> Life's not that exciting. <laughs> Jennifer's all falling asleep over here. Alberto's been snoring for a while. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding just kidding no they're not <laughs> so anyways uh thank you for joining us on yes. today's episode um, thank you jennifer arberto for taking over the, these jobs of our, yeah, yeah. our tech guys so uh just stay tuned for the next episode um share like yes please like share stuff. we're trying to we're trying to really grow the channel so and and it, these are these are uh Uses for testimonies. If you see somebody going through something that maybe you can't necessarily relate to or something like, but you've seen a podcast where maybe they've gone through something like, like share the podcast, share. So please like, share, and, and spread the word. And these, hopefully this reaches people and we see more converts and changes. Yes. See more fruit. Yes, more fruit from it. So, all right. Thanks for joining us. Jennifer, hit that button. Thank you. 19... 78 uh my cousin he he'd been trying to get me to go to this bible study he'd been trying to get me to go and i always and it's on friday nights and you know friday nights was cruising night that was when we cruised the plaza cruised the main street and you know and just up and down up and down you know and and uh well he showed up at my house he lived outside of town and uh, his his brother dropped him off, and he says, "Okay, you're my ride tonight. You got to take me to the Bible study, and so you're gonna go." So he 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 tricked me to go, and so when I went, so here it is, almost a year I've been serving God, but I'm already starting to get cold because mm -hmm. I'm not going to church, I'm not getting fed, I'm not, and so uh, I started to get a little bit cold, and and not that I got into drinking or anything like that again, I just knew. I was distant from God. Yeah. And then that was when the old girlfriend called me up, invited me to the potter's house and invited me for a new year's fellowship. I found purpose mm. and I found a direction mm -hmm. because that's what I did not find in these other churches. Yeah. Come to church and just, and, but no purpose, no, no, it didn't give you something to do. Correct. But uh, let me ask you a question, Pastor. Prior to that purpose, right, <laughs> understanding that purpose, Okay. Um, when you went into the first day, the preaching is happening, you were obviously impacted, like, severely. Like, God did something powerful. You're crying. God's moving. You get filled with the Holy Ghost the night before. God's, God's, something ha something's happening. You can pray for the Holy Ghost. You speak out in tongues. What was the difference in that moment of, of God touching you at the potter's house that you can say, I was not part of this other stuff. This is different. In Santa Fe, uh, when I first went into the church, there was about 25 people. Church was open about three months. Okay. By the end of the year, the church was running 100 people. Oh, wow. By the end of the second year, it was running 200 people. Wow, that's By the right end well. of the third year, it was running 300 people. 
So I was birthed in revival. I yeah. was birthed in people getting saved. I was, and and the thing was, is people were getting saved through the different ministries that we had, uh-huh. drama, music, different things, and just a witnessing, talking to people. Yeah. We saw so many people come in. And so when I went to Española, I had that similar expectation. Mm-hmm. This was my thinking mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. then. Well, we could have 75 at the end of a yeah, year. Yeah. And I remember uh, uh, we had 25 people. Uh, when we got about 25 people, I was really bummed out. Mm. And, uh, I was, I was, I, and I remember I felt like a failure. Your pioneering experience uh, in San Antonio, did it differ from all your other experiences? Uh, well, were you ever at a point in your ministry through whatever capacity of issues, circumstances, problems, church issues, where you ever felt, I, I, I can't do this no more. I don't want to do this no more or, uh, or not. And if you did go through that, how did you get yourself through that? How did God help you through that? Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, I, I felt that, oh, probably about every other month. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, and, and You're like, I'm feeling that right now. <laughs> the thing is, I had to learn not to carry the people's problems on my mm-hmm. shoulders. Okay. Because what you have to do is you have to look at the problems you go through or the situations you face as an opportunity to learn this is going to help me and someday as i'm a pastor i'm going to be in this situation how i how i deal with it you know will either say okay the way i dealt with it it didn't turn out good so i know not to do that so i so and and but what i say is just 